In today's episode of the Legendary Life Podcast, I sit down and speak with Elliot Hulse. And in case you've never been on YouTube, Elliot is a strength coach, a former strongman competitor, a person who is helping many people, literally millions of people through his videos on YouTube. And he not only gives advice about strength training, about building muscle, about getting stronger in the gym, but also becoming the strongest version of yourself in all areas of life. And I had the pleasure of meeting Elliot at the non-jobs event in October of 2014, which if you've been listening to the show since then, I did a Ask Ted episode on it and talked about my experiences there meeting Elliot and Dave and Matt. And I've been waiting for this interview for a long time. So you're going to hear about where Elliot is now. You're going to hear some advice on strength training and how to find that balance between stressing our bodies and recovering from that stress so we don't break down, so we're performing at our best. And you're not just going to hear about how that stress recovery cycle affects us in the gym, but also in our business, because Elliot ended up taking a long break from doing YouTube videos, and I asked him about it, and he talks not just about how he's changed his approach to exercising, but also to his business. So you're going to learn a ton about exercise. You're going to learn a ton about finding that balance with training hard and recovery, but you're also going to hear a lot about his entrepreneurial journey and how you can learn some lessons and apply what Elliot's been through into your own life, into your own business. And we even get into some conversations about masculinity and today's men and where they're at and how we can embody that masculine power better than many of us are and find that energy and confidence to go and do what we need to do in the world, what we feel we need to do in the world. So I know you're going to love this interview. It's been about nearly a year in the making. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Elliot Hulse. Welcome back to the Legendary Life Show. I am Ted Rice, and today I have Elliot Hulse with us. Elliot is a former personal trainer, gym owner, owner of Strength Camp, and YouTube legend now. And you're on to do some really big things, helping out entrepreneurs and just people in general, finding their way through business and finding their way through life. And this interview has been a long time coming I guess about a year and a half now. So Elliot, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure, Ted. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to start this off by asking you for the people who maybe have never been on YouTube before and they're not familiar with you. If someone who didn't know you asked you, hey, Elliot, you know, what is it that you do? How would you explain that? Well, my YouTube channel is just a broadcast of my gym where I train people and I've got other trainers and we've got a gym and we help people grow stronger. And the channel has been very popular and it's grown due to the entertaining and informative way that I answer questions and also a holistic approach that I take to fitness, 
which includes not just developing the strength of the body, but also the mind. Man, <laughs> I love it. It was very concise, but also very humble, considering the big wave you've been making in the fitness circle and literally like all over the world. And I'm curious, Elliot, I know you grew up in New York and then you moved down here just a few hours away from me in St. Petersburg. I'm here in Miami Beach. Let's talk a little bit about like how your experiences growing up in New York and moving to South Florida kind of shaped who you are and what you do today. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I guess, of course, our environment shapes us. So growing up in New York, I don't know, the culture is different, namely faster. And I think moving to Florida gave me an opportunity to slow down, which I really enjoyed. So I'm not sure I could have built my business or my life the way I had down here had I still been up in New York and Long Island. The cost of living is a lot higher. And just the general pace is more people, too. I really enjoy the fact that there's less people down here in St. Petersburg anyway. And the weather, of course. So, you know, the beaches and the sunshine all year round has a tremendous impact on your emotions and how you feel and the things you do. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, my experiences in New York have been interesting, to say the least. Where'd you grow up in New York? Baldwin, Long Island. Okay, Got it. Not familiar, but yeah, basically anywhere you go in New York, very different. And, you know, lots of people, city, they do have beaches up there, but I guess you wouldn't want to swim in them, right? So I grew up going to Jones Beach and stuff, so okay. it wasn't too bad. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I got to check that out next time I'm up there in that area. So, you know, where I'm getting with this is you have a very kind of, I think, part of why people resonate with you so much in and like what you have to say is you're hard to classify, man. You're a workout guy, but you also have this very philosophical side, spiritual side. And I'm just curious, like, how did that come together? How did your development as an athlete and also as like this spiritual person who's interested in metaphysics, how'd that coincide for you, man? Well, I think at a very early age, I contemplated the question that I think most of us at some point in our lives, some earlier than others, are faced with, and that is, who am I? You know, who am I and why am I here? And the part of the reason why I was challenged with that question early on is because my parents are from Belize, and that's a country where there are many different races and because of the fact that there are many different intermingling races, it's hard to pin us down as either African or white, European or native because we're kind of a mix. Yeah. In New York, it's very clear who's who and where everybody belongs. You know, you've got Irish and Italian and Jewish and Haitian and Dominican and Jamaican. People know what they are and they know where they belong. And that wasn't the case for me so easily. So it was just a matter of that being my karma, the way I showed up here and what I was going to be challenged with and dealt with. And I was fortunate enough to come across some really enlightening literature to support me. I read a lot of work of Rollo May and various other philosophers of the sort, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Alan Watts, Osho, a lot of Eastern philosophy like Taoism and Buddhism. Now I'm currently reading the Dhammapada, 
and the Bhagavad Gita. I wish I could say that more fluently because it's a beautiful, beautiful story. So these are all just methods and philosophies and ideas by which I come to realize that we are all more than just the color of our skin, but even deeper than that, we're far more than the flesh that we walk in. Yeah, and I really like that because, you know, I think that our country in the U.S., for those of you who aren't listening in, who aren't in the U.S., I think there is like this strong tendency to latch on to an identity like race, like I'm black, you know, I'm this African-American or I'm a white American guy. And one of the things that I like about you and resonate with your message is I don't use race or ethnicity as a defining, like, okay, yeah, I know what color I am when I look in the mirror and whatever, but that's not like, yeah, that's how I know where I belong. I look for enlightened people, people who are not thinking that way and who I identify with maybe something greater than just that. And that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back to you, man. And, you know, I appreciate that about you. I think you're a great role model in that way. Let's talk a little bit about your development as an athlete. I know you were a football player, then you started competing in strongman. How did that part of your life develop? At a very early age, I discovered that I was athletically gifted. I also grew up with an uncle who was athletically gifted. And I remember being like five years old. And in the basement, he would be like chopping bricks with his hands and doing backflips. He was a martial artist. He was also an ex-gymnast. So I got to watch him and even be trained by him, if you could say that, at a very early age. So that as I went into high school and whatnot, I was prepared and also had a good mentor in him to help me learn how to lift weights and get stronger and faster and more explosive for football and other sports. And that's basically where I discovered my love for fitness and athletics and sports performance. And I just carried that through college and then into my profession where I studied exercise physiology and I competed in strongman because at you know at the time I, I wanted to continue being an athlete. I became a professional strongman and opened my gym and this is what I still do to this day. Yeah. And man, that's a hell of a mentor to have around. A guy who's not only a martial artist but also lifts weights and does gymnastics. Mm-hmm. That's pretty badass. And I know you've told a lot of this before, but there's definitely going to be people who haven't heard that part of your life or maybe not even that familiar with your message. So, you know, thanks for sharing. And Elliot, I watched your strength camp videos. It was all about exercise and strongman and building up muscles or building your strength. And then you started your Elliot Hulse channel and then started answering questions about man everything from like my girlfriend has a smelly pussy i think one of the videos was how did that evolve man from people saying hey elliot how do i add 50 pounds to my deadlift to like all these other like deeper questions how'd that evolution happen for you well anybody who trains young athletes will come to develop good rapport with them usually if you do a good job training and just like most young men, uh, all young men, they've got questions. So, you know, in training and at the end of the workouts, they'd have questions for me. And because I have a background in philosophy, and I just have an interest in life and personal development. I felt comfortable answering their questions. I have questions about their parents, about their girlfriends, about careers, about college. And 
So sometimes the kids would stay two, three hours after our workout just talking about these various things. Of course, when I started making videos about fitness and strength training and bodybuilding and strongmen, I'd also get questions sent or comments where people would ask these very same questions that most young men are thinking. So I decided, well, if I answer them for my clients, I figure I could maybe support people through the internet by answering their questions online. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm kind of curious about is, especially with men, because this show is targeted towards men, although there's quite a few women that listen to probably wanting to get deeper insight into the male psyche, but instead of like directly applicable advice, but where do you see men in our society or, or more specifically like the boys? Why are they coming to you for answers instead of someone in their life? Well, I could go and be real philosophical about this, but I think it's as simple as the fact that I'm not there. There's no actual personal connection. Oftentimes I answer questions in an offensive way, but I'm not really actually standing there talking to you. It's TV. So there's a bit of distance, and I think that creates comfort. Someone's father could probably say a lot of the same things I'm saying, but it's hard to listen because, well, that's my dad and he's standing right here and you've got all the karma and all the energy that you're entangled with with that person. I'm talking to a camera. I'm really not even talking to you. And you can shut me off or turn me on whenever you want. And if you don't like what I say, you can comment and say something angry. So I think the distance is what allows, I guess, a virtual mentor to work in the same way that I've been able to work. Yeah, good answer. But I'd like you to get a little bit deeper because I'm really curious on your perspective on this thing, because you are such a role model for so many boys, so many men. And, you know, I'm just curious, what is the state of like most of the men that you come into contact with, say, in your travels around the US and maybe abroad? I mean, what do you see as like the state of masculinity? The state of masculinity, well, putting it that way, I think the state of masculinity is leaning more towards femininity. And I think we're actually becoming more balanced that way, that you reject the fact that we're going through a particular type of evolution, or you can embrace it and realize that we're moving out of a dark age where masculinity was defined by aggression and realize we're moving into a enlightened age where masculinity can be blended both tender and aggression. And I think that creates an opportunity for, well, I think it creates a lot of confusion because now what is it to be a man anymore? Nobody knows. You know, there's so many mixed messages, but that's because it's a new mankind is developing. Yeah. And, you know, just the tone of your voice when you answer that question, I can tell that you're like, yeah, and it's cool. And you're accepting of it or maybe you enjoy it. And to be honest, I do too. That's my opinion. I like the world that we're living in. I think it's less violent and there's just a lot of more opportunity and cool things going on. And I'm happy to mm -hmm. be alive. But like you also mentioned, there's a lot of confusion going on. And where do you think, besides the fact that we're in this new stage, which you already mentioned, like how can guys start to get a little bit more clear on what it is to be a man today? Well, we need what we've lost, which is male eldership. Our ancestors understood this. And that's why, you know, you may be able to say that some of the more earthbound cultures were a bit more balanced, especially when it comes to regards to how we treat the planet, namely because they understood the power of the feminine energy that the earth 
is essentially a manifestation of. But they also realized that this had to be taught and it needed to be embodied and it needed to be emulated by the young people from the experience of our masculine elders. And with the way we've decided to build society, civilization, namely the past 150 years or so, the masculine role model in the family no longer actually has roots in the family. He has roots in his career. He has roots in developing and working in business, paying taxes, and leaving the children, especially young men, to essentially figure it out on their own. There's no question why. Most of us, even you know, fathers and then our father's fathers, we're talking about maybe three or four generations, have had no real connection to masculine eldership masculine mentorship, masculine rites of passage that are essential. I mean, I think it's essential for both men and women. We're talking about men here, but women have been thrown to the wolves also in many ways. You know, my wife tells me about when she got her period, she didn't know what happened. She had to kind of like figure it out on her own and there wasn't that much support there. I know there are lots of young women that find out that they're pregnant and they don't know where to go or what to do. We're lacking in wisdom and elder support for all of our young people. Yeah, and that's such a good way of putting it. And I want to share a quick story that illustrates exactly what you're saying. And my dad, who I have a good relationship with now, but was very rocky up and down growing up in high school when I lived at home. Check this out, Elliot. My relationship with my dad wasn't very close. And all he basically told me, you know, the depth of our conversation was, son, when you have sex, use a condom. And get this, he's telling me this. I don't want our relationship to be that way. So if you ever have questions, please come and talk to me. And then he walked away from that conversation and we never fucking talked again about it, you know? And like I said, I love my dad. He's a hardworking guy and we've had lots of ups and downs, but it seems like you mentioned this generation after generation where it's like, you don't really know how to connect with your son's or son and be there as like that masculine role model. And I'll tell you something, Elliot, you seem like a guy who's figured it out for yourself. You're at cause in the world. You're creating effect in the world. You're making things happen. What would you recommend to someone who maybe had that upbringing and didn't have a elder masculine role model growing up? Like, how would you tell that person to kind of get that area of their life straight? Well, we need each other. Men need men. And it's sometimes some of the most difficult things to do is to have real male bonding. I mean, it's constantly competition. It's always aggression. It's yeah. always, And if we do become somewhat tender or open, vulnerable with each other, it's almost looked at skeptically like you're homosexual or something. To have another man cry with you is deemed weak or gay. And I think it's a shame that that type of stigma is placed upon male emotion. So I would say that vulnerability with one another, if you've got friends, you know, talk to your friends. I would say being a part of a community is a very important thing for us. I mean, safety and security found in tribal association is a core human value. And we can find that if, you know, they've got many different organizations like Big Brother, Big Sister organizations. If you're religious, get involved with your religious organization. And there are always mentors and elders that may be there of support to you. And don't stop looking just where you look. If you look within your community and you can't find someone or the groups you've joined or the church you belong to doesn't work for you, that's okay. 
But I think keeping the door open, keeping our hearts open, keeping the opportunity alive for us to, number one, allow someone to be our mentor. I think that's difficult in and of itself, too. You know, when most of our masculine development, you know, after age 13, 14 is like trying to prove how we're better than dad. You know, I don't know how it was for for you, but many of us and many of the young men, and it's like, I have to prove how I'm different than dad. I have to be better than dad. I have to be stronger than him somehow, especially because there's a lot of skepticism about what dad actually does because dad's out of the home so much. So I got to become my own man. And that sort of attitude blocks us off from receiving mentorship from other men that might be of support to us. Yeah, I resemble that uh, remark there. (laughs) Growing up, I mean, I had, like a lot of guys, I had that competitive thing where I was always comparing myself to other people in my 20s. And I see it, you know, I pulled out of that because I found out, like you said, like we need each other. We need to connect with each other. We need to be vulnerable with each other as men. If we're really going to flourish and not be like fronting all the time, pretending that we're really tough and nothing bothers us and we got our shit handled. But man, I used to be like that. So competitive and maybe wasn't that terrible, but I remember it enough and, and I see it a lot in today's younger guys, guys in their twenties. And Elliot, I want to take a little bit of a different direction and ask you about something that's gone on with you in the last year since we talked, because like I mentioned, I interviewed you before. And I'll be honest, man, I think it was an awesome interview from a professional perspective because there was tension there and and we were discussing these things and we were trying to get something, this specific thing out of you and you kept changing it around. But man, right after that, you stopped doing YouTube videos. And I know you wrote something about it. In fact, I have it like right here. But can you talk about like that whole experience where you went from being this YouTube star and then you had to back away from it? In fact, you stopped doing it all together. How'd that come about? I honestly at this point see it as natural an action as leaves turning green, turning orange and brown and yellow in the in the fall time and then dropping its leaves in the winter only to be resurrected in the spring. It's it's seasons and it was due time for me to take a break from working. I literally spoke with one of my mentors and the way he described it was you took about 10 years of summer only. And now you're being forced to pay back 10 winters that you didn't allow to happen. And uh, I pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Like many of us do, become workaholics and we just keep going further, 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 more, more, more to the point where I was started to break down physically and mentally. And it's really like I had no choice. I just I, I had to stop. Now, as I'm getting back into the rhythm of things, I just have to be more sensitive to when my body and my mind is telling me to back off and to take a break. It's natural. It's normal. And not only that, it's anabolic. It allows us to continue to grow. You can't have growth without rest and recovery and honoring these seasons and developing a periodization for your work, for your training and for your life in general is where I'm at now. Yeah, and that's cool. And I think anybody who's worked their ass off can relate to that point where you're just like, all right, I need a break. But let me ask you, you know, you're talking about it now and you've got a plan and, you know, different seasons, but do you regret doing it the way you did it? No, 
Right. Cool. <laughs> so I guess the question is this, like, how do we know when it's time to charge forward, pull out the sword, unleash the warrior, go work for 10 years, just pushing? And then when does it get to that time where, hmm, if I keep doing this, something bad's going to happen. Either my relationship's going to fall apart or my body's going to fall apart. What advice would you give to someone who's maybe in that phase where they are just charging ahead and all about action? Well, our life path is usually pretty similar. We're born at zero and we typically die around what 75 is estimate or the average time of death for most males, right? So you're going to have a springtime in your life. You're going to have a summertime in your life. And then you're going to have a fall and you're going to have a winter time in your life when ultimately in the peak of winter, you lay coals, you know, your body dies. And looking at my life at this point, realize that I did spring and summer really fucking hard. I went as hard as I was supposed to. And generally they call it midlife crisis. But really, I think it's just a turning of seasons around the 35 to 45. There's a shift. I'm a little early, but I've done everything early. There's a shift in physiology, there's a shift in consciousness. There's even a bit of an awakening that goes on within this, the soul of an individual. And you could resist it. And that's when the crisis sets in. I think when it, it's crisis, when you resist it and you keep going in spite of it, and then nature smacks you in the face with heart disease or cancer or diabetes or some bullshit like that, that is just an indication that, well, you haven't been listening. And then we're so forced to sit down. So to someone who finds themselves in the heat, like a heat of the battle going hard, yeah, go hard. But don't be so detached from your emotions. I know they like to say mind over matter. You know, everything's about crushing it and grinding it. But when your body starts talking to you and when your intuition starts talking to you, when God starts talking to you, listen and back off for a moment. I don't think if you're not meditating, I don't think if you're not meditating, it's going to be a difficult thing to do. So even as you're going hard, meditate because it's going to give you that objective viewpoint to actually recognize when, oh, I'm being asked to take a break. I'm being asked to step down a little bit. I'm being asked to honor the seasons rather than grinding and crushing it all the time. Yeah. And meditation is something you've been talking about. You talked about it in that why I stopped making YouTube videos blog post that you did. What's like your workout slash recovery schedule looking like these days? What type of exercises are you doing? How hard are you training? And and what other things in addition to meditation are you doing to, to keep that balance for yourself in this new season that you're in? Periodization has gained a brand new perspective for me. I look at periodization as an undulating annual expansion and contraction or charge and discharge. And so I took eight months and I basically allowed myself to charge up. I did yoga and meditation, breathing, stretching. I spent a lot of time stretching. And then I came back and, and I went fairly hard, but not as hard and as masochistic as I used to be. It was almost abusive. I came back with some bodybuilding, some expansion work, jumping and throwing and plyometrics and powerlifting. So I did that for about three months. And I just got back from Europe where I, I really spent a lot of energy. And here I am now back to doing yoga and I'm doing some body weight workouts today. I worked on hand balancing. Tomorrow I'll be working awesome. on yeah. planche work. 
Yeah, so it's just a matter of, at some point, especially if you're not preparing for an event or anything, you've got to just honor the seasons in your training as well. So look at when are you going to go hard and when are you going to go in? When are you going to work out? When are you going to work in? That's what Paul Check says. He says you got to work in sometime. That's really cool. You know, I have a, a similar situation where, you know, it was a strongman training for me. It was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I pushed myself into the ground where I was sitting on the, just sitting down to uh, use a bathroom and I felt my knees. I was like, man, I feel like I'm 90 years old. If I keep this up at 30, where am I going to be in, in 20, 30 years? And now I'm doing some of the same things that you're working on now, which is hand balancing and just working on flexibility and regaining that stuff that I beat out of <laughs> my body, right? You mentioned the word periodization. This isn't really for fitness professionals. Could you just expand on what periodization is for you and, and how you use it? It's the technical and applicable expression of the natural law of rhythms of nature. So we can't fight winter. You know, winter comes. I mean, that's it. Nature has its periodization and it's executed very obviously through the changing of the trees and the changing of the weather. Well, in order to walk with that, in order to honor that, in order to be aligned with nature, which is really our purpose here, is requires that our activities take on periodization, like days off, like weekends are a good idea. You know, that in, I grew up in Long Island, there were a lot of Hasidic Jews and, uh, you know, very Orthodox Jews. And on Saturday, they didn't do anything. Like, that's it. You do not work on that day. Like, the Sabbath, they would call it. And it was just an honor. It was just honoring the natural rhythms in your body. You can't work every fucking day. You can't work every single day for 10 years and not pay a price. The same way that it can't be sunshine, summer, burning, scorching hot all year round without the earth burning. Right now we're getting a lot of rain, which is great. Because prior to this, we had a lot of heat and a lot of dryness. And it's just nature recognizing or nature doing what nature does. And we've got to align with that with regard to our life cycle and our down to our daily cycle. You've got the springtime of your day when the sun rises and all of the catabolic hormones, your adrenaline and your cortisol is jacked up so that you can get up and go about your day. And then you have the summertime where you're, you're actively engaged in your work and you're doing what you got to do. And then you got the fall where you should be coming home and winding down and maybe reading, turning off some of the highly stimulating activities and technology that inhabits our lives. And then you literally go to sleep. You die. You just shut off when wintertime comes and you completely go inside and there's no more expansion. It's all complete contraction. You go in. I like that. And what I kind of hear you saying is that everything, there's no linear, like if you can try to do things linearly, but you're going to lose out, it's all these cycles. We have a cycle, our, circa our daily cycle, i.e. Our, our circadian rhythm. We have uh, seasons in the year. We have seasons of our life. And I like how you see the cycle in everything. And now it seems like you're at a point where you appreciate that. And I feel like I'm 38 now and I guess been forced to appreciate the cycles and going through periods of pushing and backing off. And that's just a good lesson for anyone listening, you know, the appreciating the cycles and not being too detached from 
or ignoring the messages of your body. And in fact, Elliot, you do a lot of things like the bioenergetics to get you in touch with what's going on in your body. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, if we're talking about rhythms, we're talking about the interplay of opposites, wintertime and summertime. This principle expresses itself right down to the rhythms in our bodies, uh, the beat of our heart, systole and diastole. And the one rhythm that if we stop actively and passively engaging in, which is breathing, is disrupted, our entire physiology is off. Mm. So bioenergetics is just one more of the many brilliant ways that mankind has discovered to get in touch with our breathing. You know, what holds us back from breathing deeply. Mm. I'm curious, man. I got into a little exchange on social media with someone who saw your London Real interview, which is a fantastic interview, by the way. And I'm curious on how you think about this, because I told the guy, I was like, listen, Elliot is inspiring people. He talks about things from a philosophical approach. And, you know, he mentions Joseph Campbell, a concepts from Joseph Campbell and Jungian, other concepts from Jungian psychology. And, you know, I'm just curious what you think about this. He basically, because I know you have a good answer. And I thought he was talking about you weren't right about some biological thing. And I gave the example that, well, you know, when I went to the non-jobs event, which I'd love to ask you about a little bit later, I was like, I was inspired by Elliot. And I gave that in in the testimonial I I gave for the non-jobs event. I was like, not in a great mood. And I was inspired by what you shared and all the other great presenters there, Dave and Matt. But I'm curious how you think about this. He said, Elliot is making Physical sciences are wonderful, but they won't fix the mistakes Elliot is making because they don't deal with philosophy and methods of thinking. And he was just saying you were too into metaphysics and you weren't using uh, good epistemology. And I'm curious, for me, I think that's a way of disconnecting and like maybe even hating. But I'm curious, like, how do you view your interest in metaphysics and how it helps you relate to other people and and what do you think about that well i'm just fascinated with it these are things that i like to think about that i like to use and i like to share and that's it if someone is not interested in what i'm talking about then that's fine i have no hard feelings towards them nor do i want to prove myself as right you know what they're doing and what they think works well for them and they have a joyful pleasurable life and they're helping others then that's fine also i'm not sure that we need to be right about anything i sure as hell know i don't need to be but i do know that i'm passionate about what i experience and what i share and I'll just continue doing that until someone locks me up or puts me in the crazy house. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tear out of a straight jacket just with all the strength, strong man strength you developed over the years? I wouldn't bother. I'm kidding, dude. Yeah. I kind of made the point, are you impacting lives? And you know, there's, you talk a lot about the hero's journey and the king warrior magician lover parts of our psyche. And I'm really into that too. I have been for a long time. And the way I look at it is the map isn't necessarily the territory, right? But if it gets you a certain result, if it is a way that you can use to look at the world and get a result in the real world, then maybe that's what we should be concerned about. What do you think? 
I think you answered it. You know, the real question is, how's that working out for you? I'm not attached to anybody's philosophy or I'm not attached to even my own. It's, is that working for you? You could be completely at odds with anything that I say and I could listen to what you have to say and not understand it at all. But if I look at you and I see that you're having a joyful, pleasurable life and you're doing good things for other people and you're not damaging yourself or the earth or others, then please go on, continue. You know, how many people in the name of being right are destroying the earth and destroying other people and destroying themselves? And they're right. I'm far less interested in talking about things and ideas and, and far more interested in the experience that people are having in their lives as well as what kind of experience we're creating for others and our planet. Yeah, I mean, that's well put. And I'm with you on that, man. You know, I don't know, like, maybe you don't pay attention, but there's so much fighting in the fitness industry. I'm like, guys, you know, you're all arguing over these these minute details, which are important, but it's so funny. And, and it's the science of nutrition or the science of training. And one piece of science that I think they're neglecting to appreciate is there is some studies and some scientific data on being around negative people and how it mm. fucks you up. And it's <laughs> like, it's probably better to get rid of those negative people regardless of who they are, or how right they are, or how knowledgeable they are, than to be around them because they have this knowledge. And anyway, I don't want to go off too much on that, but I'm going to share that sometime and, and see what people say about it when people are acting up again, arguing about stuff. Anyway, let's talk about the non-jobs event because I met you there. I, I went, I supported you and I thought it was a great event. And you know, you've kind of taken giving advice on strength training to giving advice to people about their lives. And now you're helping people find their passion in business. Can you talk about what the non-jobs event is and why you started it? I don't think it's anything more than what I've always been doing. I found a love for strength training and I decided to be a strength coach. I asked the question, who am I? And I fell in love with philosophy and religion and I help people with it, using it. I discovered and learned how to use the internet to build my business and I enjoy doing it, so why not show people how? It's just one more of the way that I believe we should all be living our lives. As we overcome various obstacles and we learn certain things, why not give it back? Why not share it? Why not tell other people how you did it? And that's all it really is. It's how I was able to build my business using the internet around something that I love. Yeah, and you shared this story that was really powerful for me. You were uh, talking about how you're living in, I believe, your wife's parents' basement, and you were listening to Brian Tracy personal development CDs, and and you told this story, and, and you've been able to create this life for yourself, this lifestyle for yourself, and give back. And you talked a lot about the hero's journey and the king, warrior, magician, lover. I mean, I already know the answer to this, I think, but I want to hear your explanation of it. Why is the hero's journey and why is the archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover, why is that important for people who are looking to build a business out of their passion? Well, I once heard someone say that entrepreneurship is personal development. In other words, like if you're going to build a business, it's like personal development you got to take care of yourself because your business is going to be a reflection of who you are. So as far as King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, and Jungian archetypes and bioenergetics and all the things I talk about are concerned, I really truly believe that you have to become a stronger version of yourself before you go out and do anything. 
be it coaching other people or building a business or anything. So I say that developing balance within self comes first. And then whatever else you learn technically would be colored with an, an expression of your own internal balance. Yeah, very cool. And I, I like what you said there that entrepreneurship is a way, is personal development in a business arena, if you will. And that's so true. You know, you're taking control of things and really your success or your quote unquote failure really depends all on you and what you create for yourself and who you are. Elliot, there are guys listening to this right now who are working at jobs, maybe for corporations, or maybe they have started a thing on their own, but they long to do something different. And I'm curious what your advice would be to someone who thinks the grass is greener on the other side. They've got security, they're making money now, but at the same time, they have this feeling of like, hmm, I don't feel like I'm maybe doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I'm not feeling fulfilled. Here's this other thing on the other side called entrepreneurship and following my passion. What would you say to someone who felt that way and they're not sure if they should be taking action or stake in what they're doing? What advice would you give to that person? Well, the first thing is that if you're going to have change in circumstance, you have to have a change in character. And who you believe yourself to be today cannot be who you walk in towards the, the destination. So the question really becomes, who do you have to become? What does the next version of you look like? What are his virtues? What vices? What habits are there? You see, so we get so caught up in the technicalities. And I say, if you're going to get caught up in the technicalities, learn marketing. I don't care what you're doing, learn marketing. But really, you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to have creativity. You're going to have to be autonomous. You're going to have to be able to roll with the punches, being tenacious. If you're going from working nine to five for a corporation for the past 13 years, trust me, you're going to have a rude, and I say rude not because it's bad, but because it's going to slap you in the face, but you need it, awakening about what your new reality has to become. And you're going to go through a personal evolution. Just be prepared for that. There's going to be a lot of fear, anxiety, doubt, depression associated with it, but it's all worth it because once you get to the end, once you get over all that bullshit that's just internal resistance, then you're a new person. Just stick with it and keep going. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. And if you're thinking about having a non-job, which is not sitting on the beach and not doing anything and making money, but following a passion, at least the way I interpret it, Elliot, mm -hmm. is following a passion where you don't really feel like you're working. You're following a desire to help people or to give back or to create solutions, solve people's problems. And if you're someone who's looking to do that, I really suggest that you seek out Elliot, you seek out the non-jobs event, and that's going to be in Tampa. When's the next non-jobs event, Elliot? Late October. I don't know the exact date. Cool. Yeah. So it's going to be October 2015. So make sure you check that out. And I had a great time. I learned a lot. And Dave was awesome. And Matt Galan is just a, a kick-ass marketer. I mean, you brought up marketing and he just has a lot of knowledge on that subject. Elliot, yeah. we're winding down, but I'd like to ask you a couple questions that I posted on Facebook that I was interviewing you. And I asked if anybody had some questions that you haven't 
answered on other interviews and, and I got a couple. You cool with uh, answering? Sure. Cool. And this comes from Wigert. He says, I wonder how his work, free time, workout, self-education is divided during the day. What are the first things he started outsourcing after his business started running smoothly? He also said you're a cool dude and he met you in London a few weeks back. Okay, that's great. So what do I do with my free time? Well, how do you divide your work, free time, workout, self-education during the day or I guess during the week, however you divide it? Well, you know, following the rhythms, you get up and you do the activities that are most important to you. So, and that changes for me. Sometimes writing is the most important thing for me. Sometimes reading is the most important for me. But you decide with regard to the fact that you're going to have the most energy in your spring and summertime part of the day. What are you going to do that, that deserves your most attention and energy? Really, it's a matter of energy management. I also believe in taking a, a nap at, at noon, taking a break at noon. I have a hammock. I'll lay in it for 20, 30 minutes sometimes and then getting back to work. I think if you really want a, a complete answer on that, there's a book, The Power of Full Engagement, that I would invite you to read because it's really about honoring the rhythms in your day and in really the rhythms physiologically about when you need to rest, when you need to produce when you need to consume and you know that changes just like the rhythms of nature change so too does your pattern my day doesn't look the same in the winter as it looks in the summertime so it's just a matter of being in touch and in tune with uh, your physiology and your demands in the day yeah great answer and the power of full engagement is the book i'll have that on the show notes uh, the next question is this comes from james who's on the non-jobs campaign Facebook group. He asked, can you ask him what he thinks about traveling as a young entrepreneur, please? If the time spent traveling with friends will reduce income and business development. I guess what he means there is he's young, he's an entrepreneur, he wants to travel. I think it comes back to like balancing uh, where does traveling fit into a person's development as an entrepreneur? Well, it never really fit in with mine. So it'd be hard for me to answer that kind of question. I have a family. I started my family about the same time as I started my business. I have four children. And traveling was just never a part of what I got to do or even desired to do. I'm far more interested in remaining grounded in my place, doing my work and taking care of my family than bouncing around the globe. So, But that's me. And that's not the right answer. It's just that's the way I've experienced it. Yeah. No, good answer. And we all need it answer that question for ourselves. And I guess it depends on what you're traveling to do. I go to a lot of events, like I went to non-jobs. I've gone to a couple other things recently as well. And it helped me build my business and create networks and push me further along. But if you're just going out with your buddies and partying and zip lining and surfing and picking up girls, then don't know. Here's one. This guy kept bothering me, Elliot. And I want to ask the question because I said I would, but what do you think about getting fucked up and partying if you legitimately get your shit done? I guess another question on balance, but he said he asked you that before you didn't answer and he's like determined to get an answer. So what do you have to say to the guy? Look, if that's the type of lifestyle that you're going to develop, then you've got to have safeguards against physiological burnout. So if you're interested in partying and doing drugs and staying up all night long, well, then make sure that you're eating well, that you're well hydrated, that you're getting rest time, that you're exercising appropriately. You see, if that's the lifestyle you're choosing, 
and you want to continue to be a high performer, well, then you figure out how to honor the rhythms of partying and resting. I wouldn't imagine someone doing that and being at a high caliber without taking frequent long rest, eating organic food, being well hydrated. But just make sure that you support your activity. Look at it as, as if you're a professional athlete, right? Professional athlete goes out and he, he parties, right? He abuses his body for an entire day if you're a football player. But then the rest of the week, he's recovering from it and preparing for the next one. If you have the luxury of doing so, then by all means. Solid answer. Elliot, great interview. I really appreciate you taking the time today and being on the show. And also, I want to say just your vibe, the vibe I get from you from when I interviewed you in March of 2014 versus now, I can tell you just seem to be a really good place and it's great to see and I can't wait to connect with you again. Where would you like people to go to learn more about what you're doing right now? Any social, mostly Facebook or YouTube. My website is ElliotHulse.com. I'm going to be writing there again soon. So um, yeah, any of those. Okay, cool. So ElliotHulse.com, and I highly suggest you check out the non-jobs campaign. I'll have a link to that as well. Well, Elliot, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Do you have any last words of advice before you go? I don't, but it was a pleasure speaking with you, Ted. (laughs) This was a fun interview. (laughs) Cool, my man. 